Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 34 of the Artful Athlete podcast. We've talked about anger. We've talked about sadness. Today, we're sitting down with fear, which is something that actually a lot of people like to do already. Horror films, thrillers, the news. We spend a lot of time with this emotion more than you think. We feed into it almost like we're cultivating its existence to keep it around because, hey, you never know it could be useful. You can create your very own, in case of emergency, break the ice and unleash the fear type of box. I joke, I joke, but it's something to think about. So we live with fear. It's one of these default settings that our brain comes with. And it's for our own good. When fear shows up, it's to push us for a reaction. Now, the brain, your brain, my brain, everybody's brain has three default reactions. Flight, gotta run away and escape this real quick. Fight, gotta get my weapons at the ready and strike back. Freeze, can't move, can't think, can't act. We'll all react differently when faced with fear. And actually, and logically enough, your reaction will depend on the situation, the relationship you have towards the potential outcome, and what your reptilian brain is telling you. Fear is one of the most natural emotions there is. It's true, you need some of it. That's how you're able to survive, to recognize dangers around you and act accordingly. For example, I know it's dangerous to cross the road, so I'll look left and right to see if a car is coming before I start making my way to the other side. I know dogs can bite when they're angry, so if I see an angry dog, I'm not going to pet it. You analyse the situation and make a decision based on that. You anticipate the worst-case scenario and thus protect yourself from the negative outcome that would follow. However, let's not get this twisted, even though anticipation is great, we can't have it spiral out of control. Anticipating to the extreme can prove detrimental to your mental health, your body, your emotional health, and to the people around you, ultimately. Because they're affected by our moods, our energy, our words. The line between the scenario that you're preempting and reality can become blurry. And you end up staying stuck there, fearing the worst constantly, getting extremely defensive, nervous, you get the cold sweats, your body temperatures actually goes down in a state of fear. You feel the cold, you can get the shakes. Your breath is stuck high, 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 high up in the upper part of the ribcage. It's shallow, it's short. You can also hyperventilate. And because that breath is so high, you lose touch with reality, with the grounded breath, the deep, deep breath that travels all the way down the air column, all the way down your belly, your perineum. So with the mind anticipating your breath staying high up, you're just fueling in, you're feeding in that vicious circle. There's an improv game that actually explores this a little. It can be quite fun. You take a given scenario, and you have to imagine the worst case scenario of the worst case scenario of the worst case scenario and so on, etc. You get the point. And you can go as wild as you want, as ridiculous as you want. What's the worst case scenario of the worst case scenario? So, example, 
I'm scared of hornets. I think they're evil little stingy beasts and they're all after me. They've passed each other the message throughout the world that I was target number one. And one day, they're going to come and get me. And I don't know if I'm allergic, but with my luck, I probably am. So I'll have 30 minutes to reach a hospital because otherwise I'm going to swell, choke and bang, explode everywhere on the pavement. And all this within five seconds of it having happened. A perfectly realistic scenario, you'll have understood, especially the exploding bit. Because it is a known fact that once stung by a hornet, you become a time bomb. So what's the worst case scenario of your worst case scenario? What's the worst case scenario of your character's scenario? Go wild! Honestly, one of the perks of this exercise is the more far-fetched and ridiculous you get, the healthier the relationship to the original situation. It brings things into perspective. It also triggers another question. What can I do to prevent this? Or what can I do to accept this? In this Hornet scenario, to prevent being turned into a time bomb, I'm going to look up different types of Hornet repellents. I'm going to work on my breath to remove myself from a Hornety situation. I'm giving myself the option to find tools that will allow me to live on Hornet-free. I'll still not like them, but I'll have learned to carry on with my life in the best way possible. Bearing in mind that maybe, just maybe, not every single hornet on the planet is actually out to get me. Fear becomes here an opportunity for learning. And that's because fear, as well as, you know, being a byproduct of our survival instincts, is also deeply rooted in ignorance and the unknown. It's your non-ability to connect to a future outcome of not receiving a response and having no idea as to what's coming your way or focusing too much on your worst outcome scenario, which trust me, you'll have rationalized to make it 100% believable. And then the whole world is out to get you. Danger is everywhere. You're, you're not able to see the good or the potential in anything. You're paralyzed. You're stuck. You freeze. Interestingly enough, um, in my emotions research, I've been diving in and out of a French book called Le Corps Révélé. So in English, that title would be The Body Revealed. It's by Régis Bellamic and Chantal Dravin. And what they found is that the place in our body where we store the most tension when confronted with fears isn't the ribcage, although it's where it can be felt the most with the breath, the tightness in the chest, but the hips. Your hips, my hips, you know, the one place where lower body movement sparks from, where trunk connects to legs, where walking, running, all your directional movement stems from, right at the end of your spine. If the foundations of a house are weak, the rest of the structure is affected. If your hips are tight, out of alignment, the rest of your body will suffer too. It's perfectly logical. And still, according to uh, Bellamy and Chantal de Ravin's findings, the organ that will be the most affected by fear is the kidneys. Lower back and right above the hips and the roots? Don't think it's a coincidence, so let's look a bit more into it. The kidneys, they're the organ whose job it is to filter the toxins in the body and work together with your suprarenal glands, also known as adrenal glands, and these help your body create adrenaline and noradrenaline. 
which you need when under stress or when your body is thinking I need to be vigilant or when your body is in a state of urgency, of quick response. So what this shows to me is actually quite simple. If the body freezes, the mind freezes. If the mind freezes, the body freezes. And your mind will freeze when faced by a big monster, a huge fear. The thing to remember is that what's more probably the case isn't that you have this one huge fear, but lots of little ones that have merged together into one giant scary looking thing. The key to a good relationship with fear is actually to look at those little fears and clear them out of your system one at a time. You'll realize that maybe it's not hornets that you're scared of, but physical pain. That not everyone is out to get you or abuse you, but because of examples you've seen in the news, stories you've heard, films you've seen, or your own experience, to protect yourself, your brain is telling you that you're bound to be a victim again. Fear is a controlling state, not just because of the fight-flight-freeze reaction it's trying to get out of you, but also because it implies a punishment of sorts. You'll fill up with dread at the thought of the outcome. And when you're over-anticipating, that dread takes on much bigger proportions. You punish yourself twice in the process. The thoughts are punishing, and the result of giving in to fear and not responding to the situation will cause another punitive outcome. Another round on the vicious circle, woohoo, aren't humans and emotions a marvellously interesting thing? Fear creates more fear. Fear is a disconnecting state, it's a draining state. So sitting yourself down and having a chat with it, getting to know the origin of what stimulates these thoughts, that's the way out. That's the way to making the monster a lot smaller. Give it a name, by the way. I know it sounds silly, but naming things actually decreases the ominous potential. And the sillier, the better. Finally, while doing this and looking after the head and the triggers, give your body some love too. Love is the opposite energy of fear. Body and mind go hand in hand. So when you're working on the head, work on the body too. To be able to decrease the stress hormones and to support our kidneys, we need reassurance, comforting actions and words, comforting food, detoxing herbs and spices. So, here we go. Omegas and healthy fats. Think fatty fish like salmon, mackerel and sardines. Think avocado. Think nuts and food with a high selenium content. Think dark chocolate, raw cacao. Think... Green tea and chamomile because detox, turmeric and fermented foods like sauerkraut or oops, sorry, and kimchi. Think vitamin D3, K2, vitamin E, grounding and sweetness, pumpkin, butternuts and grains. Go to town and have a wholesome, filling meal. And that's probably about it for now about fear. I hope that this little series is giving you some insight as to how to deepen your relationship with your emotions or explore what they look like in performance. Interestingly enough, so far, the most popular of these episodes is actually the one on anger. So, bearing that in mind, I hope you're looking after yourselves, that you're taking the time and making the time for all the little things in life that you love. Small earthly pleasures do wonders for the soul. So enjoy this week's mindful chat with Lindsay and I'll catch you next week for our last mindful chat. For now, I might
might be already working on round two, but we'll see when this one comes out. Much love, everyone, and I'll speak to you soon.